They denying it because there's no documentation. We're never gonna know. Who has the answers? Yeah, I don't know if that's the right movie, but uh, it was smooth. It. it was smooth, all right. Like Matthew McConaughey, it. he knows what he's doing. Listen, you can insert that into any intro of anything, and it would work out. I mean, he did steal the Oscar from Leo, so like, in a way, yeah. I stole the intro from Leo. Damn, bro. Yo, Leo gets everything stolen from him. R.I.P. to this legend. <laughs> Anywho. Welcome to the Gobekli Tepe podcast, episode, season two, episode 10, right? Wow, is season two longer than season one right now? Nah, 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 season one had, season one was long. I, I don't remember. Nah, season one had like over 20 episodes, I'm pretty sure. Jesus. Yeah. All right, episode 10, we halfway there. Yeah, we might, we might do a season two up until episode 20, then... Uh, go Take on to season break. three. You never know. Yeah, I mean, it depends on our schedules. You already know. This is true. This is true. But welcome. I am Juan Pablo from NYC. Almost forgot, but repping the East Coast. And my boy on the other side is... In the West Coast, Juan Marillis. We out here. It's Berkeley. It's cold. But it's You warm. already know. You already know pretty hot out here for anybody on the east coast in new york yeah we passed uh, the heat wave but shit's still pretty hot not gonna lie i'm still sleeping with the ac but it is summer so although it's crazy to me it's already fucking august which is summer nuts, is right? going by way too quickly and i'm not gonna lie there haven't been enough good movies this summer yeah i don't know i haven't been don't ultra, have ultra hyped um I mean, I know Hobbs and Shaw is probably the greatest movie ever made, but like, you know. Bruh. Honestly, the second I found out that was a Fast and Furious spinoff, I, I, I facepalmed so hard. I'm going to go watch it. Yeah, I know you will. And if I could watch it for free, I would, but I just, I can't do it. All right. I, you, you ain't got, you ain't got the, the AMC privileges. I nah, 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 nah. Although I did watch uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood twice over the past week, but that's just me being a film fanatic. I feel we'll get Probably into it. Probably more of a better investment than uh, what I did. <laughs> then Actually, Hobbs I haven't and done it yet. I have not done it yet. I was gonna yesterday, but then I didn't. I right, good. Postpone that a little bit. I would say. Um, cool trailers coming out this week, though. I mean, I saw the Zombieland Two trailer. Yeah, me too. Uh, Pretty sick. They're looking alright. They're looking tight. They're looking. Uh, they're looking. I don't know. Looks like it's going to be a good movie. For yeah, now. it's going to be looking, fun. You know. Woody Harrelson's looking good. Um, they look like they're going to have weird doppelgangers for some reason. I don't know if that's going to be a big part of the plot. Emma Stone's still looking hot. You know, Emma Stone. If you're listening, I'm single. Just saying. <laughs> No, she's. I'm pretty sure she's married, dude. I don't give a fuck. I'm single, Emma Stone. <laughs> wink, wink, you know. Definitely more of a catch than whoever you're with. I actually don't know who she's with. I don't, I don't think, think she's, she's with anyone. No, no, no. I think she's actually married. No, nah, because she was dating, like. She was dating, like, Andrew Garfield for a while, right? Right. And that was, like, a few years ago. Yeah, but, you know, celebrities be marrying mad fast. I guess that's true. Am I? Am I? Am I bullshit? Oh uh, no, nah, no. Nah, she's got she's got a boyfriend, okay, Dave okay. McCary. Yeah, no idea. Kind of, he kind of looks like. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what he looks like. He looks fine. Yeah, either way, there you go, Emma Stone. I I'm mean, better than him, Emma. <laughs> come to Dude. me. You and Emma Stone and you and Emma Watson 
It's something about the Emmas. Do I, I got a thing for Emmas? Is. is that what it is? I Oof. think I think it is. I think that's what it is. Oof. But um, Zombieland One is one of my favorite movies ever. So I mean, zombie movies at least. It's it's fantastic in every regard. Um, and it's become kind of a cult, not a cult classic, I want to say, but like, I haven't heard of anyone who hasn't liked Zombieland. And it's not to say that the movie's like a, like a cinematic work of art, but it's a fun movie, you know? Yeah. I want to rewatch it. Um, yeah. Me too. Maybe we'll right do now. a, maybe we'll do a, uh, Zombieland a review and episode Zombieland. on Zombieland. Just talking about Zombieland. Why not? Yeah. Fuck it. Why there's not? a, there's a movie that's coming out by the create. See, I don't know. Because the creators of Superbad are like Seth Rogen, right? But I, yeah, and I Jonah so. Hill maybe. Yeah, are you talking about um the the movie what is it called Bad Boys or something? Not Bad Boys. Yep, um, that is happening. Bad like Bad Kids the, or something. Is it called Good Boys? Or Good Boys? Pro- yeah, yeah, yeah. Something like that. Yo, I thought that the trailer was funny as fuck. Not gonna lie, it looked pretty funny. Like, um, that looks like an actual comedy like, that I'm going to laugh my ass off. At. My parents were like, oof, but I was just like, I'm going to go watch that. Nah, high key, dude. High key. That was one of the funniest trailers I've seen this year. So I'm hoping that all the gags aren't in the trailer. Me too. I uh, hope Jonah Hill's in it. Yeah, looks pretty good. Jonah, um, go back to comedy. We miss you. <laughs> now, I like, but I'm kind of fucking this uh, avant-garde Jonah that's happening right now. I fuck with it. I fuck with the mid '90s was my favorite movie of last year. So yeah, I get that. But like, also like, there's so few good comedic actors out there right now, and Jonah's like good. Nah, that's right. Nah, that's true. I appreciate a good Jonah comedy, like at every but single moment. I haven't seen a good comedy in a while. The funniest thing that I've seen is actually from a rom com that I watched, just because like for some reason my house wanted to watch a rom-com so we watched always be my maybe there's oh i one saw scene. it i saw it there's that scene with with keanu reeves i was laughing laughing my ass off like yeah keanu, keanu did that so well though it was beautiful dude no I, I that movie was okay I, we didn't talk about it but that movie i watched it and it's really good like it's a really good rom-com. That movie's a surprisingly good rom-com. I really enjoyed it and I didn't even have a rom, you know, partner. So like it was just like with the boys and it was really fun. Yeah. No, it was it was great. It was great. Um again, this is the, we're not reviewing this movie, I guess, but no, it's it's Yo, it's on it's Netflix. The... Go watch it. It's funny. It doesn't no, it, it doesn't make a big deal about it being all Asian actors, but it is. Yeah. It's a good it's a good it's a very good cast. Um, great comedy, great like writing. The dude's and... dad is like the biggest boy of all time. Yeah, but you know what's crazy? We haven't had a rom com this good since like the early two thousands or even the nineties. Like, think? what happened to good rom coms? Yeah, I guess strictly like romantic movies are a thing. I know that like The Big Sick was really good. I didn't watch it. But I, I feel like that's sad. Yeah, like, I'm saying, like, a strictly made-to-have-fun, like, not sad, it's really corny, but, like, well done. Like, I'm like thinking, like, Notting Hill, you know what I mean? So, like, it's Crazy Rich Asians, not a rom-com? Uh, this was better, but But it still. wasn't good. I'm sorry. Oof. It just wasn't good. Hot take. We've, we've... Bruh, you We've act like we don't this. have a whole episode on this bullshit. <laughs> Go watch our episode on uh, Crazy Rich Asians where we both say it's I at best. Yeah. I it was, Listen, here's my thing, right? This movie, Always Me on Maybe, did everything that Crazy Rich Asians could have been. But for a fraction of the cost, probably. Oh yeah, like, and it just does it better. It's funnier. It's uh, it, it's an all-Asian cast, that like, and it, but it doesn't flaunt it. It, uh, I think it's the, ro- original. the romance kind of hits better and it's original. Yeah. And how many people are doing original rom-coms nowadays? Nobody. Yeah, it's a huge risk. But this movie yeah. is hilarious. Somehow they pulled Keanu Reeves in there and I think that was one of Keanu Reeves' best, like, things he's like, ever like done. Like guest roles. Yeah. If you haven't, go watch this movie called, uh, I think it's called Knock Knock, maybe. Um, 
starring Keanu Reeves. It's about uh, Keanu Reeves' wife goes on vacation, and he's in a big mansion, and then two girls knock on his door and try to seduce him, but then they try to kill him. Why have I heard of this? It's really funny. <laughs> yeah, I've definitely heard of this movie. I have not watched it, but I've heard of it. Now I'm intrigued, though. We're in the Keanu sense. Yeah, I know, which is insane, but I'm here for it. I want more Matrix, Keanu. Bro, Good Matrix. We need to get Keanu We only got one Matrix movie, you know? Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm sure it's in the works, low-key. Like, that's just my guess. No, it is. It is. Yeah. Apparently. Yeah, yeah, Um, Okay. On the music side of things, I did want to just do a couple of updates. Um, So, Drake released a tape called Care Package. And why is it relevant, you may ask? Why did Drake release an album, and why is it not being crazy? I mean, it is being crazy hyped. Like, but... Why is it not considered like a like a Drake album? Well, Care Package is, fun fact, for those of you who don't know, um, a compilation of all songs that Drake didn't release over the years that were either leaked or like previewed but never actually part, like they never like made the album. But now they're all part of one collective album. And there are features like J. Cole, Rick Ross, I mean, and some really iconic songs that just became big on places like soundcloud and youtube but were never on official streaming platforms and now they're here so that sounds really cool yeah Wait, yeah listen it's fire i still it's have to fire. listen to ymb corday's new album um, yeah ymb corday's new album i think is good in my opinion yeah. i liked it um he spoke about actually something very interesting on a uh i i believe it was on uh, uh it was on that stupid show with with DJ Academics. Um, but basically in an interview, he said that he isn't making music to make crazy numbers. He considers himself someone who wants to pace himself career-wise. And he said that even though Lost Boy, like he figures it's not going to make like record-breaking numbers, obviously, he doesn't care because he's new. And he's like, and he, he was like, you know, Kendrick's first project wasn't making crazy rec- like crazy numbers. J. Cole's first project was making crazy numbers, but look at where they are now. You know, it's like a paced, very, very, like, like their careers took time to develop. But when you look back at the albums, they're great. And, um, and I kind of like that. I really like that mentality. He's really going for the big prize, you know? He's really, he's really taking rap as a marathon and not a race. And I think that's actually kind of cool because not many artists are doing that nowadays, you know? Yeah, I like that. That's good for him. Yeah, so uh, we should talk about the uh, elephant in the room, which, which is Chance the Rapper did not debut number one this week. Yeah, baffling, right? I I woke up Monday morning and I checked the charts and it was not number one. Um, NF's project, I believe, was actually at number one. Yep. and and it was set to sell over a hundred thousand units. Fucking crazy. Yeah, I don't even know who NF is, but and he, that's okay. me being ignorant. No, 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 no. It's, it's not even that. No, let me tell you something real quick, real quick, before we get into the chance thing, because this is something I want. I've been wanting to talk about on this podcast for a while. So NF is a rapper that raps about like I, I'm Jesus. not even. Is he a Christian rapper? No, I don't know. No, no, no. I've never heard of this dude. No. So NF talks about like like a lot of mental stuff you know his raps are like very intense he's a good rapper he's a he's i think i believe he's a white rapper he's a very good 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 rapper like each song that he has tells a story it's very intense a little depressing sometimes low-key but what i don't understand right and and it's not just me because i started getting all this because i started reading articles where big publications were like we have no idea who nf is or where his audience is at but these motherfuckers are buying his music like crazy. NF, NF's last four projects, or last at least three, but if not four projects, have all re- have all debuted number one, every single one, and nobody knows who the fuck is buying this music. But his his fan base is so loyal; it's ridiculous. 
It's so confusing to me. But I don't okay. get it. I, I don't guess. Get it. I don't know who he is, but he debuted number one. Anyways, not what we wanted to talk about. Congratulations, I know. Yeah. But uh, if anybody can explain this shit to me, please, please DM me. I want to understand. Um, anywho, Chance didn't debut number two. What the fuck, right? He, he did debut number two. I mean, he, he didn't debut number one. My bad. Did not debut number one. What yeah. The fuck? So this is a disappointment in my in my eyes, mostly because it's like I really love the album and it it just comes down to this huge problem that I'm having with just like people's opinions on the internet um and it kind of started a lot with like the last jedi if uh any of you remember that movie both me and juan really love that movie yeah and we generated our opinion on it before reading anything about it in fact i think both of us went in blind i hadn't seen a trailer oh yeah no i really tried not seeing a single thing about it so we went in we watched it we both loved it and we walked out and we were like, wow, that was such a good movie. And we talked for a while about why we thought it was such a good movie. And then we went online. And then we saw the hate. And all we saw was the hate. And that's the thing that I want to talk about. For Chance the Rapper's new album, when you go online, when you look at Reddit, when you look at, like, just, like, blogs and shit, people are just, and, like, Instagram. Oh, fuck, Instagram. Jesus Christ people hating on it so hard and it's just so frustrating to me because it's these loud minority people that are just like this is garbage i hate this and then they are just like trying to make everyone think the same way that they do and in the end that just like tears down like the world's opinion of that thing like the last jedi now when you think about it is a big controversy not a good movie as, which is what Juan and I thought it was. It's just like, oof, do you like that movie? Was it good? And the same thing goes for Chance. Yeah. And I think I think this comes from, like, just, you know, this loud minority and a particular man that generates most of the loud minority's opinions half the time. This man. This meme. The needle drop. The man with... Literally a monopoly on music reviews on YouTube. For no fucking reason. Literally the only music reviews out there. And it frustrates the hell out of me. Because sure, like, his opinion is is his opinion, but people take it as fact. And, like, he... I like how detailed he is, and I like how specific he is with what he didn't like about the album. But, like... A lot of times, people are just like, yeah, no, he said this, so it's fact. I'm just saying, he gave My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy a 7, and he gave Acid Rap a 6. Those are two of my favorite albums of all time. He also thinks Oxnard is better than Ventura. So, like, honestly, like, why is anyone taking this man serious? Yo, fuck Fantano. Um, he gave this album a hot 0. 0 out of 10. Which was, just, you know what's crazy, though? How the fuck do you give two of the most revered, like the mo- two of the most highly rated albums of all time? Some people consider My Beautiful Dark to be one of the best albums of all time, period. Of any genre. Yeah, period. Like, of all time. How do you give that a seven? How do you give the mixtape that people consider Chance to be like like the one that, that just... Everybody, I'm, I shit you not, I hung out with a bunch of people last night. Everybody said... Acid Rap is the best thing Chance has ever done. And I still agree with this. And how the fuck is that a sixth? And then I don't people know. just keep taking his opinion seriously. And like, look, he makes some good points, but sometimes he just makes points that are like, like, I don't know. Like, they don't really make sense. Especially, I, this review mostly bashes on Chance's lyrics. And the Which meaning behind them. Which is dumb because what I told you earlier, literally Chance the Rapper, he has good lyrics and he has meaning behind his lyrics, but a lot of time they're dumb lyrics. He talks about farting in all day. He talks about Thor's little brother Loki, like in uh, Cocoa Butter Kisses, which is like most people's favorite song off Acid, or a lot of people's favorite songs on Acid Rap. Um, he's got a, he's got an, I mean, this isn't particularly Chance's verse or his lyrics, but, like, he's got Absol Samson nasty shit in, like, Smoke Again. Um, it's like, 
And he, he, you know, he has to go through that and be like, is this okay? Like, yeah. Chance is not like a crazy lyricist. Chance is known for his weird, like weird, ironic lyrics. And I think a lot of time he does those. And other times he has more serious lyrics. And I think he has both of those in this album. Like people are, are nagging about like, bad lyrics and they bring up the same ones and sure they're not bringing up anything out of eternal or anything out of um big fish or or rue rue yeah i mean it's just crazy to me the hate that this album's getting and it just sucks it sucks to see it because i don't think chance deserves this whether or not the album is as good as acid rap which i don't think it is i loved it but i don't think it's acid rap I think it's better than coloring book, but like maybe that's just me. I don't know. Yeah, <clears throat> I mean, I I mean I, I I had my opinion on the last episode, but I personally it's my favorite one um, of all of them. But I will say it's just this goes back to the whole idea of what a collective public mentality is like, right? Like like for example, I will give you literally what happened to me last night. Last night I was recording music and whatnot. Um, with a couple of people, including Tommy, obviously. Corey music with Tommy and stuff. We were in the car with people, and there were very... I'm not even going to say mixed feelings. I was the only one in the car who liked uh, the new album, and the only one who liked Hot Shower. And safe to say that more than half the people who we were with um, had not listened to the album in full. Right, and had just generated opinions based on what they had read online. I pulled out the aux cord, started playing Hot Shower, and by the end of it, everyone in the car except for one person was like, you know what? This isn't bad. This is actually kind of good. And like everybody who was like, oh, I'm not going to give the album a chance, was like, you know what? I'm actually going to listen to it. And it's like, that's the whole problem with collective mentality, right? Like, that 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 given minority that 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 ruins it for the other majority right like we're talking about how everybody's shitting on it and now again i i I like what you said we're like now we're gonna think back to the big day as a controversial album which sucks because it's not it's not it's a good album it's just different and it's like and like you were saying we were talking about this before but you were saying how like it's okay to rap about happy shit it's okay to be happy in your life. Like, Chance is happy, and he's trying I, to put that in his album, and that's okay. That's good, you know? I really think there's there's part of me that really thinks that people are just jealous of Chance being happy, and they don't like that, and so they're nagging on it. Like, a lot of them are like, oh, my wife, my wife. Like, he loves his wife. I get it. I get it. Sure. Well, maybe that's just because they're lonely. Like, Yeah, but here's the thing, right? It, it, it's because music is something that people go to to relate to it, right? Like, they go to relate to, like, another people love sad songs because we as humans love to put ourselves down. We love to listen to stuff that's gonna be like, oh, man, yeah, like, I am a fucking loser. Like, or like, oh, yeah, like, oh, man, like, I'm listening to this. And, yeah, that girl did really fuck me over. But you know what? I'm better than her. Like, I'm a bigger person. Like, I'm hotter. I'm cooler. I'm smarter. Chance isn't trying to do that in this album. Chance is like, listen, I'm happy. And like, this is what it feels like if I were to emote it in music. And when I listen to it, I'm like, fuck, dude. He's so happy. He's making me happy listening to it. But I think I a lot of people are listening through- to it being like, fuck, why is he so happy? Like, I'm not that happy. Like, fuck this guy. Like, I don't, I don't relate, you know? I was, yeah. I mean, I was smiling through all day long, like the entire time. And I still do every time I, every time I hear it, I like Bruh, a smile. I get chills every time I listen to Hot Shower, and every time I listen to fucking, every time I listen to The Big Day, and he starts screaming, I can feel how happy he is, just yelling into the microphone, saying nothing. Like, it's just, it's just something different. It's like, dude, he's so happy, he doesn't even give a fuck what the lyrics are. He's just like, I'm married. Like that's that's what matters. Like it's the big day, you know. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, that's really all I wanted to say. Um, it's a shame that people aren't liking it. 
And I think that uh, people that are just reading online and are just like looking and being like, ah, everyone hates it, so maybe it's bad, or are just not forming their own opinions, just give it a try. Yeah, come on. Don't judge the entire album off of one song or two songs or whatever the fuck the guy at the corner store said about it. Go listen to it. You know, maybe not even just once. Give it two or three goes, you know, like this is, you know, you, you can't just formulate your opinion off of one golden album. You got to really give it a couple of them and then figure it out from there. And if you really don't like it, you don't like it. But that's not to say that everybody's not going to like it, you know? Yeah. Anywho. Speaking of controversial things, let's talk about our main topic. 25 minutes into the into the yeah. podcast. Well, to be fair, I feel like this isn't a movie that's going to have much in the no spoilers section. Oh, we're not doing a no spoilers section. Yeah, I, you I, want I don't... you want you want to know if we liked it? We did, bruh. You want no. to know? You want to know? Thing... Uh... There's one say? thing that I, I do I do want to mention no spoiler wise that you texted me, and that I thought was actually pretty funny, which is this movie is so first of all let's introduce this quinn tarantino once upon a time in hollywood um ninth tarantino film out right now starring brad pitt leo dicaprio margot robbie al pacino lena dunham it's stacked and i'm not even done with the name dropping there's more but um ninth hollywood film or ninth big film for tarantino I think it's really funny, and this is the only no no spoiler thing I want to say about it. Is that you when when the, when you um, watched it, you texted me one thing. I don't know if you remember what you said, but you said this movie has everything that usually I wouldn't like in a movie: long dialogues that ultimately kind of lead to nothing, really cinematic stuff that's just meant to be like pretentious in a way, like. Pretend, like like just for like the cinephiles who were like ooh like that shot was super sexy. I told and my like, friend this movie sucks its own dick a lot, which it does. Yeah yeah yeah, which it does. And yet you really fucking loved it. Yeah, usually these things would turn me off, and there's certain things with the characters that usually turn me off too. Um, and honestly, I mean, I don't want to mention, I don't want to talk about it too much. No spoilers, but you know, like just the direction that some of the characters go in and the direction that the plot goes in loose loose word there plot um (laughs) like it it usually would have me just wanting to leave and there's a movie that i can it's a movie that i think is very similar to this movie i don't think you've seen it but it's called hail caesar it's coen brothers movie oh i have not yeah i wanted to though that movie reminds me so much of this one. Um, Interesting. It's 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 about a Hollywood producer and his day. Him going about his day. Okay. That is the movie. Okay. Um, and it's. I didn't like it. <laughs> I mm. I liked parts of it. I thought I kind of got what they were going for, but like. I was bored for a lot of it, and I just okay. didn't really like get it. And this movie worked for me, and I don't know why. And that's the thing. I mean, I think I know why. I think it has to do with the fact that Tarantino's a master at dialogue. I think it has to do with the fact that the acting was phenomenal. I think it has to do with the fact that it was all it was ninety percent just like practical effects and just like old school movie making. That's just incredible to watch nowadays right right. i think it has to do with the fact this is a super original movie that does things that you don't expect but you know what i don't know because i hated three billboards and it was most of these things so and i didn't sorry i didn't hate three billboards i just don't care for it right i think is uh, my my stance on it here's the thing i think that this is where and this again, this is the last thing that we're going to say really about no spoilers. But at the end of the day, love him or hate him, right? Whatever the fuck you want to say about Tarantino and his male gaze, his his foot, foot fetish, fetish. fetishism, 
his probably violence fetish. I mean, right, right, right. It's got, it's got the, the misogyny, whatever, whatever you want to talk about, right? Tarantino is a master of cinema. He is, in in my opinion, what we feel like Kanye is in music. Where Kanye can say some fucking controversial shit and he can be a total fucking idiot in public. But the man knows what he's doing behind the instruments and behind the production and everything. And I think that Tarantino, in many ways, he's, he's a crazy guy. But he's so passionate about film. Like, to the point where, like, he's just a master. Like, if you break down this movie, um, and I'll actually link a video if anyone's interested in the description of this of our podcast if you want to watch a video breakdown after you've watched the film but tarantino takes so much inspiration from tens of hundreds of movies like that he's watched over time but he gives it his own twist and he makes it his own and that is the master of it right like sure three billboards had all the elements that make it a good movie but Tarantino, specifically as a director and a writer, knows how to give it the flair that makes you like it that much more. Oh. And it's him. It's I, him. You know? I definitely think it's 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 gotta be the Tarantino effect. Yeah. Like it's a Tarantino effect. He just fuck, he knows how to craft characters. <laughs> one one thing I wanna mention before we go into spoilers. Leonardo DiCaprio, Brad Pitt hands off like i don't, I don't crazy know Batman. uh crazy. down some of their best performances yeah. of all time yeah fucking Agreed. incredible loved it brad pitt was one of the coolest characters i've ever seen despite certain things <laughs> and somehow i still love him right and leonardo dicaprio sold it as as rick dalton like wow as as one a real of, character, like as a real person, as one as one of the characters in this movie says, that was some of the best acting I've ever seen in my whole life. Agreed, fully agreed. And for that reason alone, I'm giving an Israel good one. Israel good one. Israel. Also, like, let's just be honest. Like that 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 whole when she says that to him, that was definitely a self dick sucking moment. Like. Oh, for sure. That was so hard. Auto fellatio, like, <laughs> God, this movie loves itself. Like, and that's the beauty of it. That's the beauty of it. I mean, without further ado, let's get into the spoilers of this fucking movie because there's so much to yo, say. Yo, Brad Pitt. Brad Pitt killed his wife. You think so? Probably. Yeah. yeah his Brad character kind of leads you to believe that, right? Brad Pitt killed his wife, got away with it, and. By the end, we're just like, I. <laughs> yeah, we're like, we're good, we're good with that. He, we're just like, crazy what because, a fucking bro, like. <laughs> yo, but here's the thing, right? Here's the thing about fucking Tarantino's male gaze, that he can, he made, he made, Brad Pitt killing his wife, look like it was kind of valid, like because he made in the in the ten seconds that you see his wife on screen, you're like, bruh, how did yo, he get here? Die. Why did he get here? Oh, like, also, like, he's, he has a straight-up scene where there are just two women being brutally destroyed. Oh, yeah. That, can, that would not fly in 2019, you know? Right, right, And yet, here it is. I mean, it's still a fucking masterpiece by, by in every regard. Um, it's crazy. I mean, it's crazy that he made that, and, like, I don't... I'm not even mad. Like, no. First of all, first of all, the people that got their heads bashed in were the Manson sister, two people, two members of the Manson family, and they deserve that shit. The real, <laughs> the real people that those character that those actors are portraying deserve to die. Yeah, agreed. Um, they are horrible people, and the Manson family just like honestly, just some of the most brutal and sad things crazy motherfuckers ever like it's just so horrifying that things like this existed and probably still exist looking at you tom cruise 
Love <laughs> you. Please come on our podcast. We want to talk about Scientology all day long. Um, <laughs> it's just so interesting. It's interesting to see that, like, these things really existed. And then your boy Tarantino is just like, yeah, but, like, what if they didn't happen that way? And right. you don't even realize. I love that you don't realize that he's about to change history. Oh, like, yeah, for sure. You, you're completely assuming that, that they're going to go in and they're going to kill Sharon Tate. For those of you that are listening for some reason without having seen the movie, um, Sharon Tate dies in real life. She's killed by the Manson family. Sharon Tate's in this movie just kind of tracking her day, just following her around. She's not really that relevant. She doesn't meet her main characters until the very end, and she never actually meets Brad Pitt. Um, and the whole point of her character is basically to like suck film's dick and also like build tension on oh she's gonna get murdered right and the tarantino's like not nah. <laughs> no it's, throw it's, some dog food at those fuckers yeah no it's crazy because when you really think about it at its core the sharon tate character played by margot robbie is kind of fucking irrelevant doesn't need to be in the movie my sister's biggest complaint is why was this girl in the movie who was she how was she relevant and then i was like she was the one that was actually murdered by the manson like cult she's like oh yeah i mean you have to understand the context that's that's the beauty of tarantino's films i think that you have to have at least a little bit of context given i think this one is probably the most like that of all the films that he's done um, because a lot of them, like Pulp Fiction, for example, has zero context. But, um, but I think that like the beauty of this movie is that you have to understand that he's really building you up throughout the whole movie. He's trying to make you love Sharon Tate. He's trying to make you understand that like her career is about to fucking really, really start. Like she's loving this whole like up and coming actress kind of gig. She's she's together with the most. Uh, the most successful, I mean, the, 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 the filmmaker that's really blowing up in that moment, Roman, Roman Polanski, which then plot twist, Roman Polanski ends up fucking up big time in America and then flees the scene and is now a fugitive. I mean, in, that's what it gets for being like a child molester. Exactly, like correct. Um, so even even it's so funny because even having Roman, Roman Polanski in the film, knowing the story of Roman Polanski, you're like, fuck, bruh. Like, that's also ballsy. Because you're putting such a controversial character right in front of you. But you see that, and you see Charles Manson just make a brief appearance. That's just it. Just for a sec. He's there for a hot sec. He's, he's kind of there to make you believe, hey, listen, I'm here, and this might happen. And you almost get it when they're pulling up at the end with the car. And you even, even the dialogue, you know, the, the Rex goes, yeah, um, I don't know if he mentions Manson, but he says he. He says he told us to go to the old house and kill everybody in it. And then that's when the fucking hippie girl's like, like, oh, why don't we fucking just kill all of our childhood heroes that made us made us be violent and then makes a bunch of fucking pig noises. And boom, you alter the... Tarantino just altered the entire history in that, in that brief two-minute scene right there. Just real quick. Yeah. And, and I mean, and it, honestly, it was good. It's it's phenomenal. See, it was so good. It was worth the entire two hour buildup. That whole movie is buildup. Everything yeah. is tension, and the only time tension is ever relieved at all is when um, Brad Pitt beats up that one hobo. Yeah, but like, even that's like, mm, this is not resolved. Right, and you're almost a little fearful because you're like, "Fuck!" Now Rex is gonna come along. Like, is this gonna get worse? Like, I blah, was blah. so sure that like Charles Manson was gonna show up at some point again. Right, right. Never did. I mean, that's the coolest thing, though. I think that Tarantino knows how to build mini tension. You know what I mean? Like that whole buildup of of Brad Pitt showing up to to Manson's uh, cult, and then him not knowing that at the moment, and you're slowly piecing together. The whole thing where you're like, fuck, all these girls are here. Some of them are fucking random people. There's like a tour going on in the back. And you're like, oh, fuck, there's this one girl, Squeaky, that you let her find out. Like, Squeaky's like the leader of these these people. And like, 
Brad Pitt's like, you know what, fuck it, I want to say hi to what's-his-face. And you're like, yo, this guy's dead. Like, he's fully yeah. dead. I thought he was dead. I thought you're like, there's no way he's alive. And and the great thing is that the acting, I mean, everyone in that scene is doing such a good job of being sus, right? Because they're like, she, he's dead. He's fully dead. Even Squeaky's like so reluctant to let him, let Brad Pitt see him. Um, who, well, his name in the movie is, is Cliff, what is it? Cliff Booth? Yeah, Cliff Booth. Yeah. And um, it's not until the fucking moment in which he shakes him and the dude wakes up that you're like, wait, it's, it's all good. They're not even lying. Nah, there's no bullshit. They're just being hella sus. Yeah. But that's the thing. He builds up every little scene. There's like some sort of tension everywhere. And and I love it. I love it. I lo- and I love all the little references, you know? Like um, Bruce Lee was a big inspiration for that guy. For the, the, Dude, the... the Bruce Lee scene was so fucking good. Yeah. <laughs> that wasn't an inspiration. That was supposed to be Bruce Lee, and it was so funny. They call him Bruce. No, he calls him. He doesn't call him Bruce. He calls him Cato. Uh, they call him Bruce. Like, he calls him Kato. Sure. Like, like Cliff calls him Kato. Right. But other people call him call him uh, Bruce. Oh, I didn't, I didn't catch it's that. It's not even an inspiration. That's just Bruce Lee. Okay, okay. I, I mean, so I don't know. I, I was seeing stuff that I was saying that it was, like, inspired by. But, hey, I mean, I thought it was Bruce Lee when I was watching the movie, so. There I mean, you go. that's not even inspired by it. Literally, like... <laughs> I mean, I don't think Bruce Lee was that pretentious, but yeah, I would say so. Yeah, it's that scene was so funny. Holy shit. That was one of the funniest scenes I've seen in a long time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, wow. Fucking when he throws Bruce Lee at the car, I'm just like, holy shit. (laughs) You saw it coming, too. That's the funniest fucking part about it. Oh, man. Fucking Um, Bruce Lee got his ass kicked. And the, and the coolest part is that that's literally a whole thought bubble for Cliff Booth. That was so weird, too, because it was like a surprise flashback. You didn't right. even know. And right. there was a flashback within that flashback. It's it's insane because it's like that level of like, like Tarantino will be like, all right, I'm going to do this story about this one thing, but I'm going to put in every little detail possible to make you get there. But it's all building character. And I mean... And it's cool. a lot just to like about the love of cinema, like a lot of it, them just watching their own films and commentating on it, Sharon Tate going to see her own movie and like seeing everyone enjoy it and having like just such a good time, like like seeing that people appreciate her work. Right, right. Even Cliff like, Booth going back to his old ranch, seeing where he used to work at. Like a lot of it is just like, yeah. It, it and, and I mean, there's that whole scene where uh rick dalton is trying to get his lines to work and like he fucks up and then he goes back to his booth first of all when he fucks up that's such a good scene because like you see like because you're watching it as if you're watching the actual recording of it right right and so like when they have to go back and take the camera actually goes back to where it was and then they redo it which is so cool. Yeah, and it's all it's all like a lot of it is like a long take sometimes too, which is great. Yeah. Um, and then and then him going back to the trailer and just freaking out um about not being a good actor. That's such a good scene. That shit and was like, so good. <laughs> like all of this goes nowhere too. This scene that that Rick Dalton's trying to record like that ever really comes back at all it's no, just like no. what was going on for in his life that day right right and it's it's him it's him getting a hint of of his previous life of him being relevant you know because up, up until that point he's like now he's taking roles where people just want him for his name but he's really just like no one gives a shit and the director's like bruh i don't want you to be i don't want you to be um whatever his his cowboy role was um he's like i just want you to be this character um and it's like literally that whole scene is just like an auto fellatio of like oh my god i'm still a good actor like i still got this um 
and it's great. I mean, then of course you see them go to Italy and, you know, he briefly gets his career back in like Italian Westerns or, or as, or as uh, Rick Dalton would say, Italian Westerns. Um, but it's, yeah, I mean, a lot of it really is just a love for cinema. I mean, there's in, in the opening scene, you have not the opening scene, the second scene. Technically, I mean, I don't know which one you want to call the opening scene, really, but like, let's go. Like when they're when he's talking with um with Al Pacino, there's this whole part where he's like, "Oh, did you watch my movie?" Then he's like, "Yeah, I watched them in 35 millimeter." And you have a whole cut of how you put in a 35 millimeter to watch it in a theater. I mean, that all of that. If you and again, watch the video that I link in the description, but. Basically, Tarantino throughout the whole movie is littering cinematic references across the board. All the movie billboards that you see in the background, like in movies like that are being displayed, like for example, Sharon Tate goes to see her own movie. Um, but if you look at the other theaters and what they're playing, they're movies that were being played during that time, movies that were relevant during that time, with actors that were relevant during that time. Like every single little detail that Tarantino could have possibly thought of he did think of and it's all to build this world that most people are not going to pay attention to but if you really delve deep into it like he knows his shit i mean even the use of the italian directors like the, like the real italian directors who made fake movies but they're real names and actually fun fact one of the italian directors names is used in, in inglorious bastards you know, so this is spoilers yeah. for Inglorious yeah, yeah, Bastards, yeah. but like, um, you know this, right? Yep. Yeah. Um, one of the the directors in Inglorious Bastards, um, that's like the cover-up profile, you know, for what for the ending scene, is the same director that is then uh, directing the Ita- one of the Italian films that Rick Dalton is playing in. And I mean, we know that like Tarantino has has stated that like. His movies are all kind of canon, you know, like they're all within one Tarantino universe. But there's a lot of callbacks. That one scene that Rick Dalton has um, where he, you know, which is, is actually a foreshadowing where he burns all the fucking Germans with the flamethrower. That's a callback to Inglorious Bastards. And then that's also a foreshadowing for the end scene where he fucking just torches that girl alive, like beyond fucking belief. Which I was literally on the verge of tears laughing when that happened. Dude, like that whole ending was just so Tarantino. Yeah. Yeah. So violently Tarantino. Like. Dude, the can hitting her face had me shook. Oh, God, that was horrible. <laughs> the fucking dog, dude. Dog went crazy. The f- but the flamethrower was the Brad grandiose. Pitt, Brad Pitt on acid was so good. Yeah. I mean, I gotta say, like you said, them, these are some of the best roles that both of them have had in their careers. It's it's mind-boggling how good they are. Um, like, I don't know. I watched Fight Club, too. He's pretty good as Tyler Durden, but whatever. No, I'm saying one of the best, not the best. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, Tyler Durden is an iconic character. That's that's also one of his best roles. Yo, pardon me. He, I saw he has a tank top that's just got porn on it. Yeah. Loki want this tank top. Yo, and and oh, I I can't start spoiling, uh, fucking Fight Club. Oh, well, if you haven't watched it right now until this point, fuck you. Cause why are you? No, 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 don't, don't do it. Don't. But do I'm it. not gonna. But I'm not gonna spoil it. But there are a lot of pornographic references in um in Fight Club, which are kind of cool actually. Um, but yeah. Anyways, fast forwarding into uh, once upon time on once upon time in Hollywood. There, this thing. movie is just fucking one massive callback. Even the if you if if you break down Tarantino's shots, they're all callbacks to movies that he loves and 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 westerns and everything. I mean, he he knows exactly what he's doing. I agree. That being said, now that we have sucked the movie's dick, and we both agree it's real good one. Pretty sure. Yeah. Um, let's get into, I want your retorts on complaints that I have read, heard, or, uh, just been told. Okay, go for it. All right. 
number one. The, um, the, what's it called? Voiceover was unnecessary and lazy. The one at the beginning, and then it just coming back at the middle, and then never happening again by Kurt Russell. Um... Me, personally, I think that you kind of need... I mean, okay, this is a movie that has so much detail, right? We're talking about a movie that's nearly three hours long, and we're, and we're in a world right now where that doesn't fly anymore. Like, the only movie that made a fuck butt fuck ton of money recently that's nearly three hours long is Endgame. And for good reason, because it's been a buildup of over a decade's worth of movies. Um, it's a risk nowadays having a three, a nearly three-hour-long movie. I mean, Tarantino did have his biggest release to date um, with Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. He made a little over $40 million, I think, opening weekend, which is not a lot for films like Disney films because they're making hundreds um, in their opening weekend. But for Tarantino, this is his biggest thing. And, and, and even for a three-hour movie that has no prequels, no sequels, a standalone, original screenplay, 40 million bucks is a lot. And what I'm getting at is, if this movie's already nearly three hours long, if you're calling Tarantino lazy for putting in voiceovers to have something explained to you that he could explain in visuals but then he would make an even longer movie and then you complain more that it's over three hours you know where are we really getting the complaints here like that's that's my take on it i think that voiceovers have to happen sometimes like if you have a lot of voiceovers in a one hour and a half movie all right complain about it but you're talking about a movie that has so much detail i you know i don't know if i necessarily agree with that all That's right. just my opinion. Cool. What about the movie meanders too long and the characters don't develop? I wholeheartedly disagree with that. Uh, I think that the... I don't, I don't think Sharon Tate is supposed to develop as a character. And I think that we see a lot of development between Brad Pitt and especially Leo. God damn. Leo goes from this depressed-ass fucking, like low life character to I'm gonna be a fucking rock star again to I'm married now and yet somehow pulls out a fucking flamethrower at the end and tops it off with like a big cherry on top I don't know if you agree with me but I think that at least those two primary primary characters had some great development I don't agree per se, but I think it is a, like, the only reason that I'm commenting is because I, I do have an opinion on this. The other one, in my opinion, just kind of, yours makes sense. I don't really have an opinion on it. I didn't mind the voiceover at all. Um, in my opinion, I don't think the characters develop. I think, uh, I think that... Like, Leo was a movie star that was down in his dumps, and then he managed to become a movie star again. But, like, character-wise, and just, like, personality-wise, and just, like, the way he treats people, just a lot of him didn't change. He didn't really change as a person. He just kind of changed as a status. Now he's a movie star again. Brad Pitt, I don't really think changed at all. I think he just goes with the flow which is kind of his character that's like is the whole point to him brad pitt like to me was just like someone who like enjoys living his life and wants to get the most out of it lives day by day and just kind of goes with that and i really loved that about brad pitt because there just aren't that i mean i can't relate to it because i'm the complete opposite i can't live day by day i have plans and shit but, like, Brad Pitt doesn't give a fuck. Leo's like, yo, dude, we gotta stop this because I can't afford you. And he's just like, yeah, I eat. Like, Leo's like, I'm gonna go bum around in my mansion and be sad. And he's like, yeah, I eat. I'm gonna go back to my trailer and just hang with my dog. Like, and he's totally content with that. Yeah. 
and that's Brad Pitt. That's who he is. And I think that that was it. Like, he wasn't trying to make a statement on, like, this is how you change as a person or whatever. He was just trying to say, like, look, you could be content with your life. Like, no, for that's, sure. That's I mean, what okay. I think Tarantino was trying to say with the Brad Pitt character. With Leo, I because th- I think this movie's more about Brad Pitt than Leo. So, like... But here's the thing, and, that, yeah. and I'll agree with you with that, right? Because maybe I'm misconstruing the criticism here, right? Um, because I'll agree. I don't think there is a whole lot of development, in quotes, I guess, um, with Brad Pitt's character, per se. But maybe what I'm saying, what, what I'm trying to get at is... I think that you can't argue that you don't learn so much about about these characters in the little time that you're given with them right because you you absolutely learn about them i just mean they don't change and i think oh yeah have a problem with that yeah no i don't i don't think this is an issue at all i think that i think that we see leo go through a lot of different moods and i think that there is a little bit of change in that i mean i think the whole idea of him getting married and settling down and all this stuff i think is a change in and of itself but at the same time yeah i agree the way that he treats people isn't any different However, I think that people, when people say there's not enough development, I'm like, I look at development as, as at least, and this could just be me, right? But like, I look at development as, did we learn enough about the character for it to be satisfactory of what was supposed to be told for us, right? And in that sense of it, I think that we learned a lot about these characters to the point where like, I feel like I know who both of them are and within very small time frames, you know, like we only saw them for a couple days, really, if you think about it. And like a weird Italian time lapse of like a few months, like six months, I believe that's really it. Um, and yet it was somehow we've learned a lot, you know, too. so yeah, I, I do. I, I just think that the, the, by definition, character development is, like, how the character changes throughout the story. Yeah, um, I don't think Tarantino is going for this. For no, that. I don't I don't think he cares about that. No. Um, and I think there are many examples of his movies where the characters are, don't develop at all. I mean, like, in Pulp Fiction, I can think of a few characters that don't develop. I think... Um, I don't really think that uh, John Travolta's character really changes at all. No. Neither does uh, Mia. Nah, Mia um, never fucking changes. Nah, she just overdoses and then she's like, yeah. Um, and I mean, sure, there's some character development in uh, Bruce Willis and there's some character development in uh, Samuel L. Jackson. But, like, you know, it's not across the board. No. This and isn't it's not the a first whole time. Lot either. Yeah. Uh, this isn't the first time that Tarantino does this. He's just playing around with characters. They don't need to change for him to tell a story. No, and if anything, I think that he's almost criticizing um, Hollywood a little bit in a way. Like, I think that there is a bit of of uh, playfulness he's having with this idea of of people just not changing, of there being some sort of stagnant behavior in the industry, and. I think that's kind of cool. Like, I don't think they're. Ne- I don't think anybody has to really change. I think that's fine. All right, what's what's the last one? What's your the last criticism that you had? Uh, I think that was those are those are the big ones. Um, I don't, I don't really think there is another one that I can think of that people are complaining about a lot. Um, okay, okay. I think that's really it. Like, people are mad about like the lack of development they're mad about the meandering uh oh oh i guess i feel like we've already covered this but like there isn't a lot of plot is the other one yeah i'm okay with it i there are some movies that are just not meant to have it you know what i mean like i i don't disagree with the statement i agree that the movie totally doesn't have a lot of plot um and the, the people say that the third act comes out of nowhere. But I that I disagree with. So let's get into that real quick before we close out because this is a long episode. Yeah. Um, yeah, so look, the whole movie is a buildup to that third act. Without that third act, the movie isn't 
the movie. Right, not at all. The whole movie is a tension-building roller coaster getting you to the third act where he relieves all that tension. It breaks down a movie into a very simple structure. It says, the beginning builds up to the third act, the third act is the climax, you're done. That's it. That's all he's going for. Yeah, it's a simple... It's simple. Like, there is no... It's not that the third act came suddenly. It's that the third act is what the movie's based around. Right, right. The movie is literally a restructuring of one night. Just one. One night. And Tarantino said, fuck it. I don't want it to go out like that, so I'm going to make my own version of it. But for you to understand why I'm doing that and how I'm getting there, you need to watch the entire beginning. You need to understand why the fuck we're here. You know? And I agree. Maybe there isn't that massive of a plot. But that's not really the point. Like, I think the beauty is is that what we're learning from these characters and the way that he's making them so real, right? Yeah. Is is the beauty of it. And I don't think the third act comes out of nowhere. I, I think if if... If he hadn't developed the cult, uh, Cliff Booth, Rick Dalton, even a little bit of Sharon Tate, just to give you a little bit of like, here's a here's a person that's about to get murdered, in quotes. If you don't learn any of that, then I feel like the third act would come out of nowhere. Because you're like, why is Cliff Booth so aggressive? Why the fuck is Rick Dalton not giving a shit? And how? why is he just chilling in his pool, lip-blasting music, not giving a fuck? Why is there an Italian woman in the house? And why are these motherfuckers out here trying to massacre, like, this random celebrity's house, right? And why does it matter that it's right next to the Polanski home? None of it would make sense without Acts 1 and 2. I agree. Yeah, it's needed. That is our argument. Yeah. And uh-huh. there you go. There you have it. Ish good one. Cross that the board. That is it. Ish real good one. Ish real good one. Ish real good one. And congrats to Tarantino for his biggest opening weekend. I'm sure his final 10th movie will be even bigger. Don't know what it's going to be about, but going to be crazy probably. Um, anywho. One. Before I let you do your thing, just gonna, I just want to say one thing. Our song of the week is a song called Bop by Tyga, YG, and Blueface. It is a song where where Tyga has his hair straight and very long, and he looks like a combination of a weird cholo, and I'm here for it. You should watch the music video, but I will play the song at the end of this uh, as some West Coast representation coming at you from Gobekli Tepe. That being said, Juan, I think you have something that you might want to share with with the audience. I mean, really, I just want to make sure to reiterate that all of you go out, and if you didn't like the big dip, the big dip, the big day, that you go and you give it another try. Just give your boy Chance a try. Ignore the hate, and on your way, watch out for the trap door. It's the 13th Amendment. Hashtag build the door. Bitch, who's a bop? Bitch, who's a bop? Young nigga getting paid, young dog. Cash. Hunnits in the vault. Nigga, I'm a go. 
You don't want none, I'm the Pope. Married to the money since a young and we elope. All about a loaf, for this bread get you toast. Bitches wanna have a baby by me, it's a no. It's a no. Are you dumb? Dumb. Go, go. Anyway, can I fuck your friend on the low? Low. When she hit the bathroom, slide me your phone. Slide on my knob. Pop, 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 pop. Bopper. I spent half a million on the watch, got your nigga on a lock And I heard you got new ass shots, if you can't fuck now, give me top Bitch, you's a bop, I heard you fucking with the ops Bitch, heard you give it up on the spot, Ay. I heard on that diggy through the squats Yeah, bitch, you's a bop, bitch, you's a bop, bitch, you's a bop, bitch, you's a bop, bitch, you's a bop You should already know, no, and everybody know we give a fuck about no hold on Blue face, baby, yeah, I This a pop. I hate a square bitch. I love me a thot. I'm a lobster. I stay on a bitch. Nate like some shoulders. Five star fettuccine. This bitch a bopolini. FN on me. I ain't talking about Finny. Bird box diamond suicidal. Let a nigga reach and this bitch going viral. Cody popping like a thot on a gram going viral. Bitch, you's a bop on a gang. Beating up her guts while I'm throwing up the gang. On the bitch, you's a bop. I heard he fucking with the ops. Heard you give it up on the spot. I heard on that diggy through the squats. Yeah, bitch, who's a bop? 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 You should already know, though. And everybody know we give a fuck about no holo.